commands that we uh, just witnessed there on the video, um, all the commands we find of, of Jesus, general commands of Jesus in the Gospels, all of those tie into our message this morning uh, from 1 John chapter 5. I encourage you to open your Bible there this morning. 1 John chapter 5 verses 1 through 5 is the victory, is the title of our message today taken directly from the text that we're going to see here in just a moment. And uh, while you are turning there, I'll just uh, let you know that I belong to a peculiar group of people, a group of people that many others look at as uh, perhaps a little sad, a little pathetic, and uh, others look at and say, why in the world would you choose to be a part of that group? And the group that I belong to is known as Kentucky Football Fans. (laughs) We have, I believe, throughout the years, snatched defeat from the jaws of victory too many times to count. And it, it appears sometimes that we invent and create new ways to lose that's never been seen before in the history of football. That's why when last week it came down to a last-second field goal to determine whether or not we were going to win that game or lose that game, I have to admit I didn't have a lot of faith. I had just walked that road too many times before in my life to get my hopes up. And lo and behold, something miraculous happens. We actually won. We actually hit the kick and ended up winning the game. And it was so unusual to have victory like that as a Kentucky fan. And sometimes in our Christian life, we might feel that way. That victory is just beyond our grasp. That we have just tried and tried so many times in our lives to do what God has called us to do and find out that we have failed time and again. And so when the new opportunity or or a, a new moment arises, we lack the confidence to say that I will be able to overcome, that I will be victorious. And you know, we as Christians belong to a peculiar group also, a peculiar group that many in the world look at and say that is a sad and pathetic group. Why in the world would you choose to align yourself with the losing team? When in fact the Bible says we are victors, we are conquerors, we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. And you're going to see from the text this morning that you can succeed and you will succeed in all that God calls you to do if you humbly trust in His Son, Jesus Christ. Faith is the key to overcoming, and faith is the victory. I want to encourage you to stand with me if you're able to this morning. As we look at 1 John chapter 5, starting at verse 1, the Apostle John writes these words under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and whoever loves the Father loves the child born of Him. By this we know that we love the children of God, when we love God and observe His commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, 
our faith. Who is the one who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Let's pray together. Father, we rejoice in you today. We thank you, God, for all that you have given us in this life. We thank you, God, that you are a God who speaks, a God who has chosen to reveal himself to us. And Lord, you have done that through your Son, Jesus. He is the image of the invisible God. In him all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. And God, you have also spoken to us through your written word that testifies of your Son. And Father, it is to your written word that we come this morning and pray that you will enlighten us, Father, that you will illuminate our minds to understand the word, and Father, that you would pierce our hearts with the truth of the gospel. And Lord, I pray as we read this that we will be challenged, Father, that we will be encouraged, and Father, that your perfect will will be accomplished in and through us. We ask these things in Jesus' blessed name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. As we continue on through our series through John's letters, we have seen time and time again that the theme, the, the overarching goal of what John is saying here in this letter is to help us distinguish between true believers and false teachers. And how do we do that? He's given us three tests that he has repeated over and over again. The doctrinal, the social, and the moral test. The doctrinal, do we believe the right things? The social, do we love the right way? And the moral, do we live the right way? And as we come to the end of the letter now, here to the last chapter, I believe John is, is seeking to encourage and assure the true believers. Because as he has emphasized these three tests over and over again, it would be easy for us to think about all the ways in which we fall short. Sometimes we don't believe the right things. And sometimes we don't love the right way. Sometimes we don't live the right way. And we can begin to be discouraged and perhaps even doubt our own salvation. And John is saying, now wait a minute. I want you to understand, even though it might look like on the outside that you have failed or you are failing, you really do overcome. And faith is the victory to that. And in this assurance that John is giving to his audience and to us, we see that we can overcome by three aspects of faith. First of all, by a vigorous faith. Vigorous means strong. I remember when Logan was born and, and he was uh, in, the, in, the, in the room with us, just came out of the nursery, and one of the nurses was there, and she was doing something to him, and he was wiggling around something fierce, and, and she had a foreign accent, and I don't know where she was from. It sounded like she was from Eastern Europe or something, but she said, ooh, he is vigorous. And every time I hear the word vigorous, I remember Logan's baby nurse when he was first born, but vigorous, being strong in our convictions. And John is saying that we overcome in that way by a vigorous faith. He writes, first of all, about the foundational aspect of faith in verse 1. The foundational aspect. He said, whoever believes. The word believe is to have faith. and It's in the present tense here. That means it's ongoing, it's continuing. Whoever is believing, whoever is faithing, that Jesus is the Christ. Whoever is having faith in Jesus as the Messiah, that is trusting in the man, Jesus, and his work, his office 
as Messiah. It is not putting faith in faith, but faith has an object, or more literally, faith is in a person. Faith is not in doctrine or, or, or church teachings. It is in Jesus himself. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ, the Christ who has come, according to chapter 4, verses 9 and 10, by this the love of God was manifested in us that God has sent on mission, God has sent His only begotten Son, the only Jesus, the only Savior, into the world, the world that is hostile at enmity with God. God sent Jesus into that world so that we might live through Him. In this is love, not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. So John is saying, whoever is trusting in this Jesus, not just a Jesus, but this Jesus, whoever is believing in this Jesus, John says, is born of God. Literally, has been born of of God. It's in the passive tense. That means it's already happened. It happened in the past and the and the effects of that are still ongoing. So whoever is believing has already been born of God and still is displaying that aspect. So believing is the evidence that we have already been born of God and been born is passive. That means God has done something to us that we could not do ourselves. God has caused us to be born again, and the evidence of that is our faithing, our trusting, our believing that Jesus is the Christ. We have been born literally from God. That God has birthed us from Him. And so that we bear and we carry His nature as Christians. We have a new birth and a new nature. That's the foundational aspect of everything that we are called to do as Christians, first and primarily is to believe that Jesus is the Christ. But John also mentions the functional aspect of faith in verse 1. James tells us that faith without works is dead. How do we know that we have faith? How do we know that we are believing and trusting in Christ? It is through love. He says this, And whoever loves the Father loves the child born of him loves, agape, supernatural, divine, sacrificial love. It's also in the present tense. That means whoever is believing in Jesus has already been born of God, and the evidence of that is that we are still loving the one who has also been begotten of God. If you have been begotten of God, you will love the one who also has been begotten of God. That's John's argument. It's functional that we act out on this faith. And one of the ways we do that is through tangibly loving one another. It's not mere emotionalism, sentimentalism. It is real. It is tangible. It is concrete. We are exercising and choosing to exercise love towards one another. It's the functional aspect of our faith. Yesterday I came to the office to get some work done and I heard just an awful racket going on outside. And I said, what in the world is that noise? And so I go out and lo and behold, there is Steve and there is Howard and they are working on the concrete steps outside and the railing. We know that the, uh, over time, the weather has started to, to corrode that wrought iron railing and it has become a hazard. And so they were out there repairing that. 
And I noticed as they were, were doing that, they were, they were uh, drilling down deep into the concrete and making sure that there was a foundation for those handrails. Because you see, if the foundation is faulty, the whole thing's going to fall apart and it's not going to be any use. But if the foundation is strong, the foundation is laid so that those new handrails can be functional. They will operate as they should. And I thought about that and I said, that's exactly what John is saying here in verse 1. If the foundation of believing in Christ and being born of God, if that is in place, it will function as it should. And there will be steady love towards the Father and love towards the family of God also. A vigorous faith. A faith that works itself out in the way we love one another. So John is talking about the doctrinal test. He's also talking about the social test. And now again comes the moral test. And that's part two in verses two and three. We overcome by a virtuous faith. By living the right way. Living as God says we should. In verse two he says, by this we know. And that's not the first time John said this. He always lays out that statement to prepare us for what follows. By this we know, present tense, ongoing. What, what gives us the knowledge that John's talking about here? By this, by what? That we love the children of God and we love God and observe His commandments. It is, first of all, acting upon His commands. The evidence that we have a virtuous faith is acting upon His commands. He says that we love God and observe. Observe, again, present tense. It's ongoing. We are doing. The word observe there means to do. We do the commandments of God. We keep on, continue doing the commands of God. The evidence that we love His children is love for the Father, evidenced by obedience. Because look at this statement. By this we know that we love the children of God. We're used to John saying it the other way. By this we know we love God if we love His children. But here he's saying it different. He's going at it, we would say, this is backwards. By this we know we love God's children if we love God. I think John is saying here those two things are interdependent. You can't love God unless you love His children. You can't love His children unless you love God. You can't do one without the other. And so it doesn't matter what sequence you put it in. It's two sides of the same coin. And John says, by this we know we love His children if we love the Father. How do we know we love the Father? If we observe His commandments. If we do His commandments. The evidence is obedience. The acting upon His commands. But then John also addresses in verse 3 our attitude towards His commands. In verse 3, for this is the love of God. Literally, this is our love for God. How do we know we have love for God? Verse 3 says that we keep His commandments. Word keep, again, present tense. It's ongoing. But he uses a different verb here. In verse 2, it was observe, do His commands. Verse 3, it is keep. It means literally to treasure to guard 
to, to have the right attitude in our heart that we love God and we love what God says. We love His commandments. Our attitude towards what, John, what God says. Your love for God is that you will guard and you will treasure His commandments. And in the context of what John is saying here, what are the commandments of God? Well, we just saw on the, the video there all those commandments of Jesus laid out. But in this context, what has he just got done talking about? We, we took three sermons to look through, chapter 4, verses 7 through 21. The context of what he is saying there in the beginning of chapter 5 is what? Brotherly love. Loving our brothers and sisters. Jesus says, love them. And in our heart says what? Oh, I don't want to do that. Come on, God. Or is it do we adore the command? Do we treasure that command? Is it important to us that we keep and we keep on keeping that command to love one another as God commands us to do? Our attitude toward His commands are part of the virtue. It, it, what we think about God's Word will determine whether or not we actually keep and do God's Word. Is it a joy to us or is it a burden to us? Which John addresses also in verse 3 that we have assistance with His commands. He says, For this is the love of God that we keep His commands, keep His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome. They're, they're not more than we can bear. Why? He has given us assistance. When, when, when he says, love the brethren, and we say, man, that's hard, but you know what? It's not impossible because he has given us this new birth, this new nature. It's not burdensome to us. In fact, it becomes a joy, something that we love to do, something that we treasure to do, something that we strive to do. It's not burdensome. Why would it be burdensome to be like Jesus? Jesus loves our brother or sister in Christ. So it's not burdensome to him. Why should it be burdensome to us? Well, I'm not Jesus, but guess what? You have been born of God. You have been born through faith in the Son of God. Literally, you are becoming more like Jesus. That's God's desire for you to be transformed, to be conformed, Romans chapter 8, to the image of His Son. That's God's goal for you. Become more like Jesus. And loving your brother and sister, that is becoming more like Jesus. It's not burdensome to us. It's not beyond our ability. Our new birth provides us a new nature Jesus even said in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 through 30, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you shall find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my load is light. His commandments are not burdensome if we are born of Him with His nature upon ourselves. This is the last time specifically in John's letter that he commands us to love our brothers and sisters. Some of you might say, well, good, I'm getting sick of hearing it. You know, he said it so many times. But why has he said it so many times? I think two reasons. First of all, because it was important. And secondly, because they obviously needed to hear it again. 
And so he says, love our brothers and sisters. And it can be difficult. I know. And you know. But difficulty does not excuse us or let us off the hook. I think as Christians sometimes we, we take the excuse, well, you know what, I'm not perfect. I'm a sinner. I'm just going to sin. You know, I'll, I'll do my best, but you know what? At the end of the day, I'm a sinner and I'm just going to sin. So, you know what? It's too hard. I don't want to do it. They're, they're beyond my ability to love. You know, just leave it at that. His commands are not burdensome. We, we, we should treasure the command to love one another. We should guard that like, like a precious jewel. And that attitude should lead us to act out upon it. I love God. I love God's commandments. They're not burdensome. God says love His people. Love those who've also been born of Him. That's just what I'm going to do. And it doesn't matter if they love me back. It doesn't matter how they treat me. It's unconditional because His love for me is unconditional. And so we overcome by a virtuous faith, a faith that desires to obey God. And God tells us to love one another. So the bottom line is, is Jesus better? Is, is the Word of God better than the alternative? If the Word of God is better, if Jesus is better, we will treasure that, we will guard that, we will keep that. If it's not better, we won't. What's it worth to you? What is He worth to you? We overcome by a vigorous faith and by a virtuous faith and finally by a victorious faith. In verses 4 and 5, we see that trusting Jesus is the key to victory. In all that He commands us to do, trusting Jesus is the way we overcome. In verses 4 and 5, He, he gives the word overcome or victory. And the Greek word for that, from which that word is taken, is Nike. We get Nike from that, the, the swoosh. You know, which is a, a symbol, a sign for us of, of victory, of triumph, of overcoming by exerting the effort and finding victory in the end. And that word is from this same Greek word that John gives us here. That we trust Jesus for this victory. First of all, it's a confessional victory. Confessional. He says His word is not burdensome. His commandments are not burdensome at the end of verse 3. Start at verse 4 is the word for. Why is His commands not burdensome? Well, for, because whatever is born of God. Again, our new nature. His commandments are not burdensome to us because we are born of God. We're born again. Whatever has been begotten of God perfect tense, already happened, overcomes the world. Present tense. So if we have been born of God, we will be believing constantly in Jesus. If we have been born of God, we will be overcoming constantly the world. The world. John has talked about the world back in chapter 2 and showed us all the ways in which the world is in opposition to God. They're, they're in... They're in opposite extremes. You can't love one without the other. Or you can't love one and love the other, okay? You love God or you love the world. You can't love both at the same time. If we love God, if we have been born of God, we will overcome the world that's in hostility towards God. 
And one of the ways the world's in hostility towards God is to, to lead us through the enemy's persuasion and his temptation to lead us to disobey the commandments of God, one of which is love our brother and sister. We will not do as we're called to do if we are being led by the world, but we will overcome the world's pull towards hatred, and we will overcome that by loving because we've been born of God. Whatever has been born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world. What gives us the power and the ability to overcome the world's pull at us and do what God's calling us to do? This is the victory that has overcome the world. Present tense already happens ongoing effects still what has happened already that is now leading us to overcome it is our faith our faith John we have seen over and over again has has drawn a distinction between us and them the true and the false the apostles and those who are seeking to lead the church astray it is our faith John is saying back in chapter 1 I was there I heard him with my own ears. I saw him with my own eyes. I touched him with my own hands. I am an expert when it comes to Jesus. And these guys are saying something about Jesus that ain't true. So the victory that overcomes the world and leads us to do what God's calling us to do is not some other faith. It is our faith, the apostles' faith. Jude chapter 3 says, Contend earnestly for the faith that was once and for all delivered to the saints. It is the faith of John and Peter and James, those guys that lived with Jesus and were there with Jesus. It is their teaching about Jesus and our faith in that Jesus that they teach in the Bible. It's the biblical Jesus, our faith. It is our faith that overcomes the world has overcome perfect tense. It's already done it. If you have placed your faith and trust in Jesus, you have already overcome the world. It's that same faith that saved you that will strengthen you and sustain you to do everything God is calling you to do, including loving a difficult brother and sister. It is our faith. The focus shifts from selfishness to service. Because our faith leads us to become more like Jesus. It's a confessional victory. We confess the faith that's been once and for all delivered to the saints via the apostles. That is the faith that overcomes. That's victorious faith. But it's also continual faith. Verse 5, it says, This is, or who is the one who overcomes the world? Again, continual, present tense. Who is the one who keeps on overcoming? It's continual. We battle, we stumble, we fall, but yet faith enables us to get up and keep moving forward because we don't put our trust in ourselves. We don't put our trust in our own abilities. We put our trust in Jesus Christ. It is our faith in Jesus, our trust in Jesus that overcomes. Not your goodness, not your efforts, not your works, because if so, you're going to fail. The world's going to overcome you. But we overcome the world and we keep on overcoming the world. It's continual. It's our faith. It's also a conditional victory. Verse 5. Who is the one who overcomes the world but he who believes? Present tense. 
the one who is believing, trusting, faithing, that's the only one who overcomes the world. The alternative is not to believe and be overcome by the world. You're either one or two camps. See, one or two categories. You're either believing and thus overcoming, or you're not believing and being overcome. Either you are saved or you are lost. Either you're going to heaven or you're going to hell. Either you're born again or you're lost and dead in your trespasses and sin. It's either one of the two. It's conditional. Whether or not you overcome the world or you overcome the enemy and you overcome sin in your life, the only way you'll do that is by believing, by faithing, by trusting. Not just once, well, I I had faith in Jesus and it saved me and now I'm on my own. No, faith is sustaining sustaining faith, it's sustaining faith, it's continual. It's conditional, only the one who believes. And finally, victorious faith is Christological faith. Verse 5, it's all about the Christ, all about Jesus. It's not just faith in any old Jesus. Well, I believe in Jesus. Well, Well, who is Jesus to you? Because there's a lot of religious groups out there that claim they believe in Jesus. But their Jesus is not the Jesus of the Bible. Their Jesus is not the Jesus of the apostles. It's the Jesus of their own figment, their own imagination. And he says, but he who believes that Jesus, the man, the carpenter that walked this earth some 2,000 years ago in Galilee, it is faith that that Jesus is no other than the Son of God. That He is God in the flesh. He is the second person of the Trinity. That he, that he took on humanity and came and dwelt among us and we beheld His glory, the glory of the only begotten Son of God. He is a unique Savior. He is the only one that could save you from your sin. He is the Son of God. He is the biblical Jesus revealed by the apostles, the Son of God. He gives you the supernatural strength you need to overcome the world. Because Jesus said, in this world you will have tribulation, but take heart. Because why? He says, I have overcome the world. Jesus overcame the world for you. You can't do that. I can't do that. Only Jesus. That's why John is saying, he who believes, he who keeps on trusting in Jesus and says, I don't get it, I don't understand it, I can't do it, but Jesus, I'm trusting in you, I'm believing in you, I'm holding on to you. The one who does that, who does that the one who holds on to and believes in and faiths in the overcomer, that is the one who will also overcome. Holding on to firmly the rock that is Christ Jesus. Victorious faith. You see, faith is persevering. It keeps on. Faith is particular. It's in one man only. Jesus, the Christ, the Son of God. And faith is personal. You must exercise it. I can't faith for you. No one else can faith for you. You've got to do that. And if you choose to do that, that's the evidence you've been born of God and you will overcome. If you choose not to believe, you've not been born of God and you have been overcome by the world, you're lost in your trespasses and sin, you will spend eternity in the place the Bible calls hell because you have not believed. And if you have not believed, you do not love. And if you do not love, you will not keep the commandments. If you don't keep the commandments, you are lost in sin.
You see, succeed in all that God calls you to do by humbly trusting in His Son. John, as we've already seen, he's very repetitious, isn't he? He he keeps on talking about the same stuff, but each time he does it, he seems to kind of build on what he's already said. And we see repetition in this text. These words or these phrases in five verses were were repeated over and over again. First of all, believes or faith three times. Jesus is the Christ or the Son of God twice. Born of God three times. Love or loves five times. Commandments three times. Overcomes the world three times. Emphasis. But also there's a sequence there. Follow the sequence. Believing or faithing that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, born of God, then you will love God and love His people. You will keep His commandments and if you do so, you overcome the world. But notice where John begins and John ends. Verse 1, whoever believes Jesus is the Christ is born of God. Verse 5, who is the one who overcomes the world but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. He begins and ends with faith. That's the bookends. It's the start and it's the finish. We could say it like this, true faith in Jesus Christ makes Christian living and loving possible. True faith in Jesus makes Christian living and loving possible. Without it, you can't do it. But true faith in Jesus makes you become more like Him. Last week we looked at the church at Ephesus, interestingly enough, where we get our name from. And we saw the word issued from Christ in Revelation 2, that you've done all these great things, Ephesus, but you have not done this. You, you, have, you have left your first love, and I have this against you. And he says, repent, or else I'm going to remove your candlestick. If you don't get back to loving the way you need to, you will cease to be my church. And we looked at that and we're like, man, that is, that is a very threatening promise from our Lord, a very troublesome promise to get back and do what we need to do. But then he also gives this promise to the church at Ephesus in Revelation 2, 7. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches, to him who overcomes. How do we overcome, John says? It's by faith in Jesus to him who overcomes I will grant to eat of the tree of life which is in the paradise of God so he says repent and if you overcome through faith in Jesus you will have eternal life you will eat of the tree of life in paradise it's the promise he gave to the church at Ephesus specifically but also we see in Revelation 12 10 and 11 Then I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of His Christ have come, for the accuser of our brethren has been thrown down, he who accuses them before our God day and night, and they overcame him. They overcame him because of the blood of the Lamb and because of the word of their testimony, and they did not love their life even to death. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, having faith that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and by their testimony, by coming to him and agreeing with him, and agreeing with what the Bible says about him, and entrusting ourselves to him. It becomes our testimony. We testify about what we've seen, heard, or personally experienced. If you experience faith in Jesus, 
and you are trusting in the blood of the Lamb to cleanse you from all your sin and wash you from all unrighteousness, you overcome. And he who overcomes will get to eat of the tree of life in paradise. It's not my opinion or my best guess. It's the word of Christ recorded in his word. Faith is the victory. And John says, faith is the first and final necessity. It's where it begins and where it ends. You will not have victory unless you first put your faith in Christ. And you will not have victory unless that is all you hold on to and you finish with faith in Christ. This passage begins and ends with faith in Jesus. Eternal life begins and ends through faith in Jesus. That is the victory. Let's pray together. Father, we come to you on this beautiful Lord's Day acknowledging our need for a Savior and acknowledging Jesus, the Christ, the Son of God, who has been testified to by the apostles. We come to the Word, we come to Scripture, and we find out the truth of Jesus. Everything we need to know about Jesus we have in the Word. And we thank you for that, God. We pray now as we come to this hymn of decision, this, this time of invitation, that we will either reaffirm our faith in Christ and keep on faithing in Jesus, or perhaps for the first time today, somebody will acknowledge their need for a Savior and come to Christ through faith and repentance. We pray that we obey your commandments, that we keep your word, that we treasure and guard your word, and that we will seek to love one another as we ought to. Father, help us to believe the right way. Help us to live the right way. Help us to love the right way. And it is all through our faith, our victorious faith in Jesus who, who overcame the world. Father, we pray your spirit moves. We pray that we will respond accordingly. In Jesus' name, amen. I ask you to stand.